real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is Ian Robert Anderson. He's a digital nomad and an Airbnb negotiator. Welcome to the show. Hey, Zara. How are you? Good. I'd love to hear more about your background history, how you got into the digital nomad life. And, and of course, we'll talk about Airbnb as well and how you got into all of that. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's start with how we're making money through the laptop. So my wife and I own our own web design company. And what we do is we actually team up with marketing companies around the United States that don't offer web design. And we become that piece of their business. And so we don't have to go out and find clients. The clients go through uh, our partners and they come to us. And so we've been doing this for over a decade together. My wife and I, we work side by side every single day. We're doing that for over a decade. And like we were just talking about before we hit record here, last year, you know, obviously COVID is everywhere. And we're working from our laptops from our home in Florida. And at that point, COVID was spiking in Florida. It was the epicenter of the United States. And of course, the United States had the most cases anywhere in the world. So we figured, hey, it can't get any worse. We can go to any country in the world and COVID situation will be better than it is here in Florida. And so last August, we actually rented out our house and we flew to Aruba. And from Aruba, we went to Croatia. And we, we, we bounce around every three months. We go to a different place. So it was Aruba, Croatia, Italy. Montenegro, Greece. And actually, we're back in Croatia. We're in a different part. We're in a place called Dubrovnik. So that's how we're able to do it. My wife and I, we both do the exact same thing. We're both web designers. We both make all our money through our laptops. And we decided, let's take it around the world. That's awesome. Because I've actually thought about in the past, but more so since COVID, getting a van or an RV or something and traveling around the United States. But yeah, I, I took your course. And now I'm like, oh, maybe this would be an even more fascinating (laughs) route to take to just fly around and stay at Airbnbs. Because then if you think about it, okay, so if you were to drive around in a van or an RV or camper or whatever you want to call it, you're going to have to maintain, there's going to be expense involved maintaining it and of course gas and all that stuff. But if you're traveling around to Airbnbs and things like that. Well, of course, there's expense involved as far as paying for it, but you don't have to worry about maintenance and all of that. So that would be... Of course. And and of course, you get to experience new food and different cultures and different people. It's For us, it's a very exciting way to live and I highly recommend it. So how do y'all decide which country to go to next? Unfortunately, COVID dictates a lot of that right now. And specifically, we're in Europe. We're not going to be in for Europe much longer. But because we've been in Europe, the rules here change very often. And a lot of European countries are locked down. So honestly, it's come down to what is allowed US citizens to come into their country as tourists. 
because that's what we have to mark on the immigration paper. We have to mark tourists. So thankfully, when we were in Montenegro, Greece was opening up on May, I want to say 14th, 14th or 15th. And that was actually our last day in Montenegro. So we were in Greece the first day. But if it wasn't for Greece, we wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. We might have had to maybe even leave Europe. So yeah, unfortunately, right now it comes down to COVID and the COVID restrictions. Yeah. So what's that like traveling during a pandemic? I mean, I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I guess you have to basically keep up with the news probably on a more than a daily basis, probably on a every few hour basis, I imagine, and yeah. different airport rules and country rules. And oh, will they allow? Yes, it's it's absolutely awful, and it gets really bad. You know, a lot of leading the first few two two and a half months when we're in a country, we're not so worried about it. But when it comes about the two and a half month mark where we're going to have to leave a country in a few weeks, then yeah, we're we're focusing on that. And there's been times where maybe a week out. Or a week and a half out, we don't know exactly what country we're going to. Mm-hmm. I know that that'll freak some people out, not knowing what country you're going to live in in a week. But unfortunately, with COVID, that's what you got to do. And getting COVID tests has been awful. We've, I think we spent over, I think maybe $1,400 or so in COVID tests because it's not free for us because we're not citizens of any of these countries. So we have to pay all kinds of money. And then, of course, you know, getting the thing shoved in your mouth is never fun or in nose. Because <laughs> I know in the US, they now have over the counter tests. Yeah. So can you not? just buy a whole bunch in the U.S. and just take it around with you? Or do they have specific ones you have to take in each country? They're going to be specific to each country. And some countries won't accept self-tests. It has to be from a certified lab. And actually coming here, coming back to Croatia, they had specific actually manufacturers of the tests. So we had to make sure that the tests that we got in Greece were very, very specific Croatia would accept. And it's like that with all these countries because they all do it differently. And it's like certain amount of hours. Like some countries, it's 48 hours. Some countries, it's 72. And so then you have to contact the COVID testing places, whatever country you're in, and you have to make sure that you can get scheduled for that time frame. So travel days and leading up to travel days are not fun, but hopefully when COVID goes away, it'll get a lot easier and a lot better. Yeah. How is COVID right now in these various countries? Because in the US, it's spiking again with yeah. the Delta variant. So I'm just curious how it is in the rest of the world. Well, I can only comment on the places that we have been. I will tell you that here in Croatia, it's not bad at all. I want to say it's around 100 to 200 cases a day. And that's really nothing. I think I'm not even going to say how many millions of people I think live in Croatia, but it's tiny numbers. So we're not worried about any new restrictions coming in, which would be awful because we dealt with that in Rome. There were some days where we couldn't even leave our Airbnb in Rome because in order to leave your your house, you had to have a printed reason as to why you're leaving. And we didn't have a printer. So we were literally stuck in our Airbnb in Rome because we didn't have a printer because you needed to print it out and carry this paper around with you in case the cop stopped you. Oh, wow. That was tough. That reminds me of, so about, I think it was 2010, I went to London, Paris, and Rome on like a two-week trip, and I got sick. Rome was the last city we did, and I got sick because it was wintertime, and I didn't pack appropriately because it's a lot colder there than, than in Dallas and stuff. And so I got sick probably from, you know, being outside and not appropriately dressed and stuff. (laughs) And so I was stuck in the Rome hotel room, I guess it was, for at least a day, if not more, because I was constantly coughing. It was just like a cold or something, but a severe one, I guess. So my husband, like that was the day we were going to go to the Vatican Uh, and da, 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 da. And so he ended up having to do all everything 
on his own no. that day. But anyway, that's kind of <laughs> no. Off wait, topic. where did you stay but, when you were in Rome? Oh, I don't even remember the name of it. It was nice though. Probably one of the nicest hotel. I mean, because in London and Paris, the hotels we stayed at were very very small. Like you could hardly even move around in the room. But this one was actually like a normal size hotel room that you would find in the United States. So it was really nice, although all the floors had wood flooring and the person above us liked to walk in heels at all hours <laughs> of the day. So that got kind of annoying. <laughs> that got annoying but. Uh, wow. Well, yeah, Rome was very nice. I, I recommend you go back there and not during the wintertime. It's much too cold. So what has been your favorite place y'all been to so far? You know, if you ask my wife and you ask me, you're going to get different answers. I think my favorite place has been Athens. Her favorite place is actually where we are right now, Dubrovnik. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice here. The restaurants, the mountains, the trees, the water, the beaches. It's a great place. But I thought Athens was better. And I thought I thought Rome was great. And she kind of hated Rome. Sorry for any Italian listeners out there for saying that. But she did not enjoy Rome at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you mentioned, I guess, the first place you went was Aruba? Yes, from Florida to Aruba. Because I've been wanting to go there for a while now. Do it. Because, yeah, because don't they have like the Flamingo Beach and the Iguana Beach? and Yeah, yeah. The Flamingo thing is, is kind of near the airport. It's an, it's an island off the, right near the airport. But Aruba is great. Awesome beaches. A lot of, I don't gamble, but a lot of casinos. A lot of restaurants in Palm Beach. And if you go down to the other end of the island, there's a gorgeous beach called Baby Beach. A lovely place. So how are things? Well, I guess maybe you don't know right now, but when you did go, how were things with COVID in Aruba specifically? Uh, <laughs> Sadly, in a lot of the countries we've been to, this has happened, but not, not here in Greece. But a lot of countries we go to, for some reason, COVID seems to spike. So uh, yeah, in quite a number of the countries we've been to, kind of the last month or so, like things start locking down. You know, you can't go to restaurants. Uh, you, you have to wear a mask everywhere. So hopefully, I don't know if we're bad luck or something, hopefully it doesn't happen here. Even when it's not spiking, do you have to wear a mask pretty much everywhere in these countries or how does that work? No, not in Greece. Uh, Greece, you could walk around. It was only indoors and the same thing here. Only if when you go inside the grocery store, but walking around, going to the beach, outdoor restaurant, you can eat indoors. You don't need a mask, but uh, it's basically just stores. You got to put a mask on. So yeah, Croatia and Greece, that's how it is right now. But that could change any day, which does suck for people traveling around. Are there any like vaccine requirements in any of the countries you've been to? Well, not requirements, but travel would be a lot easier if we had the vaccine. Unfortunately, because we are not citizens of these countries, we cannot get the vaccine anywhere. And now this obviously isn't about politics, but the current administration in the United States is not making any provisions for United States citizens who are overseas to get the vaccines. So the only way we'd be able to get it is to fly back to the United States. But if we did have it, life would be a lot easier traveling from country to country because you wouldn't, for the most part, wouldn't have to worry about COVID tests because a lot of them either, either you're vaccinated or you got to get the COVID test. And that's unfortunately oh, okay. us right now. So you created a negotiations course about Airbnb. How did you get the idea to do that? Well, I was, I was very successful the first few countries that we went to in saving a lot of money in negotiating Airbnbs. And I thought, hey, how can I take this knowledge and how can I give it to other people to help other people? And that's what I created. So I actually recorded a lot of it in Croatia in a place called Split. I recorded a few videos in Montenegro and a few videos in Greece. And actually, like I was telling you before we were chatting, I, I added up everything of everything that I saved for over the course of a year. And I actually, if I didn't negotiate everything, I would have paid about $40,000, but I only paid around $17,000. So on average, throughout the course of a year, I saved 55%. 
Oh, wow. And, and so that's just what I paid. I actually also added up everything that I, I don't take all the deals I get, you know, because a lot of times I'm negotiating with 12 different people. I don't take all those deals. But for, for a one year period, I negotiated $96,000 in Airbnb savings throughout all these countries. I didn't take them all, of course. But yeah, almost 100 grand uh, I was able to negotiate in over a year. Yeah. And before we started recording, you were talking about the average cost for the year that you've been traveling. I'd love it if you went into that. Sure. Yeah. So, like I was telling you, you know, before we even had this crazy idea to travel around the world, sort of living in all these different countries, I think, like, like most people, I thought, you know, who who travels around the world and just jumps from country to countries? In my mind, I was like, I don't know, people that have millions and millions of dollars and private jets and all that stuff. But it turns out that's not the case. Nowhere near that. So like I was telling you, and I'll go over these numbers right here. So we've been doing this for just over a year. So I added everything up. So all of our flights for, for one year, and this is bouncing around five different countries, six different countries or so, around just, just over $4,000. And our Airbnbs, just over $17,000. So like we were saying before, for flights and Airbnbs for one year to travel around the world, it's going to cost you around $21,000. Not millions of dollars, 21 grand. And so if you're, wow. if you're, and I, when you take that 21 grand and you divide it by 12, that comes out to $1,800, $1,830. So if you're paying that in your monthly expenses, you know, for, for your rent and stuff like that, and this is something that you want to do and you're making money through your laptop, you don't have to wait till you're making millions of dollars. You can do it now. And another thing, just think of what I don't have to pay, which most people do. I don't have a car, which means I don't have car payment. I don't have car insurance. I don't have an internet bill. I don't have a heating bill. I don't have an electricity bill. So I don't have a lot of the expenses that a lot of people that are just staying in a home would have. And I don't buy things for my house. Like I don't, well, I mean, I have a house that's being rented, but I don't buy things. Like I don't buy, you know, a trash can. I don't buy furniture. So a lot of stuff I don't even, you know, we don't have many expenses. So it's not that expensive when you're staying in Airbnbs. You cut out a lot of the expenses that a normal person would have staying in a house. So if anyone out there is thinking about doing something like this, just think of all the expenses you're not going to have anymore. And at least for us, it was quite motivating and eye-opening when we realized all that. Like we're not going to have any of these expenses anymore. So if you're $1,800 a month and you don't have mortgage or rent, you don't have a car payment, gas, yeah. car insurance, like you said, electricity, water, internet, whatever. I mean, for the most part, I think people are probably spending more than $1,800 a month in all of those expenses, you know, no matter where they live in America. Yeah. And, and in some places, probably twice that. So this could be like an actual lifestyle people can adopt on an permanent basis even. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to being able to make money through your laptop, however it is that you do it. Mm. If you can do that and you're making over uh, over 18 grand, you can at least fly to these different countries and you know live indoors. <laughs> Obviously, that number, that number doesn't take into consideration food and experiences mm. and car rentals if you, if you needed one or, or any of that. But just getting to these places and having a place to stay, that's how much it costs. That's how little it costs to live a life that most people think multimillionaires live. I, I think most countries, don't they have a fairly good public transportation system to where you wouldn't need to rent a car in most places? Sure, yeah. Uh, we were just in Athens. Athens has a great tram system. You buy a little card and 
it's, it was super cheap. It was like 13 euros for 11 rides. And so you can bounce all around there. Uh, and of course, Uber is, at least it was in Greece and it's here. So you can get around. And we're right now, like I just show, showed you before we started recording here, we, we walk down to the beach and we can walk to the grocery store. So those two things, those are kind of the essentials. <laughs> How is the dining, whether it's in restaurants or at the grocery store, as far as like food costs, are they pretty similar to the United States or is it more expensive? Um, each country is different. I would say that Italy, specifically Rome, that's where we were. We actually couldn't travel outside of Rome because of COVID, but Rome was the most expensive place. The cheapest place was probably... The other place that we stayed in Croatia called Split. Here, it's pretty inexpensive. Aruba was... Aruba, honestly, it felt like Florida. So it, it all depends. And I know if, if you can get to Southeast Asia and you can get to Vietnam, you can get to those places over there. It's super cheap food over there. But so it all depends on what country you're planning on going to. And then I guess exchange rates... One euro is equal to $1.18 in the United States. We're in Croatia right now, and they have what's called the kuna. That's their currency. And one kuna is 15 cents in the United States. So a lot of times when we go out to dinner or something, the bill comes out to like 400. It only says like 400 on it, but it's only like 60 bucks in the United States. Uh Uh-huh. When I was traveling to London, Paris, and Rome, well, London, I didn't really have any issues because everyone spoke English. And for the most part, a lot of people did in Paris and Rome, too. We got by just fine. But there were, like, where it was difficult to communicate. But that was before smartphone. Well, I guess smartphones did exist. But I don't know if there were as many apps and whatnot. But, like, nowadays, couldn't you... Isn't there, like, an app, or there's probably several apps, where you can speak into it what you want to say, and then it'll... You can say what language you want to output that in and then it will speak it in whatever language to whoever over there and just makes <laughs> conversation a lot easier yes absolutely and that comes along with google translate super simple from oh, google okay. yeah um, that's part of google translate and another great thing about google translate is when you're traveling around to these different countries while i agree with you english uh, is everywhere i've never really had an issue talking with humans but when you go to the grocery store that's where the issue comes in because you, I can't read anything on the shelves. So most of the time <laughs> I go to the grocery store and I'm just buying things based on the picture on the outside of the packaging. But let's say I really do want to see what something is. That same translator app, Google Translate, you can actually turn the camera on and point it towards, let's say, packaging and it'll translate right on my screen on my phone so I can read the words in English. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. Yeah, that's like a game changer. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) And then I imagine, obviously, there's apps, maybe even Google, where you said 400 Kuno. Well, what is that in USD? And then it'll know, I guess. Yeah, it's a simple currency converter app. It was free. Yeah, I use it on my phone when we go to different restaurants. Because it is kind of scary to see something that's like, you know, like a drink is like a hundred And that's all it says, like 100. (laughs) But then, no, it's nothing like that. It's cheap. Actually, now that I think about it, when we were in Europe, we maybe did... I don't know if all those apps existed. I just know that we couldn't use our phones, though, because of roaming, which I don't think is an issue anymore. Well, it's an issue for me. When we left the United States, we had Sprint slash T-Mobile. I'm not sure when the merger happened. But yeah, honestly, when we're leaving, when we're not in our Airbnb connected to Wi-Fi, my phone is awful and my wife's phone is awful. Yeah. So, But thankfully, when we're here... It's in the Airbnb. It's fine. Oh, okay. So if you're out and about and you need translation, you need 
currency conversion, whatever, can you run those apps without the internet? Uh, yeah, you absolutely can because okay. you can download like, like through the Google Translate app, you can download just the entire language to your phone, whatever country you're in. But I don't want to say that my my phone is 100% useless. I mean, I can book an Uber. I can send a text message, but I'm not video streaming. I'm not sending large files through my phone. I, browsing the internet's painful. You can get around it. You get through mm -hmm. it. But as far as the roaming, are there extra charges though? Like there used to be? That's going to depend on your carrier. Like I said, I have Sprint slash T-Mobile calls are 25 cents a minute actual phone calls, but I can't remember last time I had an actual phone call with a person. But text and low-speed data is, is zero. It's free. But I have to tell you, my mom visited my wife and I in Greece, and within two days, she racked up a $500 data bill on her phone because oh, wow. she was posting videos to Facebook. And But she didn't realize it, that it would happen. But she, she called them and they sort of wiped it out. But you, that is one thing you want to pay attention to when you get to a new country, what that's going to cost you, and be very cautious because that can add up. Yeah. So I guess you can take photo and video and all that, but don't actually post it anywhere until you get back to your hotel yeah, or your Airbnb. Absolutely. Wait till you get okay. back to Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you decide to do Airbnb over hotels? You know, I wish I had an answer for you. I guess in our minds, it was always Airbnb. And I don't know why. Well, you know, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it was because Airbnbs would have a kitchen or hotel typically wouldn't. That was probably a logic at the beginning. So can you give us some of the tactics and whatnot or things to look out for and when you are doing negotiations? Yes, absolutely. I want to share it with the audience. So people who are listening, get your pencils out, get your notepad out. So here's what I recommend you do. Number one, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to use Airbnb. So go to the Airbnb homepage and right on the homepage, you're going to see, it's like it says location. So you type, you know, Rome, Italy or wherever you're going. And then you have the day that you're checking in. So whatever day that is. And here's the first step. The checkout date, you want to go out longer than how long you're actually staying. Specifically, let's say that you're staying for a week maybe go out three weeks or a month. Or if you're staying for a month, go out two months. We, we typically go out three months at a time. And what that's going to do, that's going to be your end date. Then you're going to hit search. And what that's going to do is it's going to show you the Airbnbs that don't have any bookings for that time frame. And why that's important is that means that that Airbnb host knows that they don't have any money coming in for that amount of time. That means they're going to be willing to negotiate, more, more likely to negotiate with you. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And so after that, I would add about a dozen Airbnbs that you like to a new wish list. And so with that wish list, now what you want to do is you want to write to each of these Airbnb hosts the exact, basically the exact same message. And the first message that I was write is some variation of this. Because my wife and I are working from our laptops and we don't have a car, my first email to these hosts is something like, hi, your Airbnb is very nice. I have a few questions. Number one, what's your internet speed? What's your upload? What's your download? Because my, you know we work from our laptops. We need to make sure that we have a good connection. Number two, where's the closest grocery store? Because we're not going to have a car. So at this point, all you're doing is you're getting contact with the host. You're starting a conversation. That's number one. So write that out in some notepad, copy and paste it 12 different times to the 12 different Airbnbs that you just added to your wish list. That's number one. Number two, the hosts are going to reply. And of course, don't reply too quickly. You don't want to seem desperate. So I would wait a day, let's say, in between each of them before you actually reply. And so you want to, when you get replies from your questions, of course, you want to thank them. Say, this is great Airbnb. I love it. And say, 
This is my favorite place, but my significant other is talking with a few other Airbnb hosts in the same area. So I can't book anything yet, but your place is my favorite. And then say, you know, I'll let you know what happens after we talk. So then wait another day with all these hosts. Wait another day after that message. And then write to these Airbnb hosts and say, hey, I was talking with my significant other. He or she likes the pictures of your Airbnb, but they don't like the price. They're talking with a few other Airbnbs in the area and they like a different price. Can we get your Airbnb for X? And X will be whatever your offer is. And with just those steps right there, I would say you are going to have a very good success rate. Now, there is more to negotiating, but I would say that right there will get you great results just from that. Yeah. And I imagine if they know that you're wanting to stay three months or however long, they're more likely to, even if they have to give you a big discount or whatever, <laughs> they're more likely to probably take your offer than chance it, I guess, on a one-week rental here and a one-week rental there. Yeah, absolutely. What? Because, you know... Put yourself into the shoes of the Airbnb host. This is a business for them. They probably have a mortgage that needs to be paid. And if no one is in their Airbnb, they're not going to be able to pay that mortgage. So some money is better than no money. And in our case, you know, we're giving the, and this is another thing I talk about in the Airbnb course, is being confident in negotiating and realizing that you're giving someone thousands, in our case, thousands and thousands of dollars. So that's why I'm never afraid of asking for a discount the, the way that I do, because I know that if I was in their shoes, I'd, I'd want someone to talk to me and at least give me the opportunity to either say yes or say no to the offer. Have you had any issues yet with the unit not really living up to the listing or noise issues or maybe location and maybe crime or whatnot? You know, the worst Airbnb that we've ever stayed in, sadly, was our first one. Right when we left Florida, we went to Aruba because of COVID and all the stuff. I couldn't negotiate. So I just had to just book it the night before, use the instant book feature. I had to just pick one. I booked it. Uh, it was number one, it was the most expensive one we ever rented, which was awful, but it was also the worst. The window, so in the bedroom, the bed was up against the wall and there was a window behind it. And when it would rain, I would get rained on in my head while I was sleeping. Oh, wow. It was awful. And it was far away from everything. So not only did I pay money for this Airbnb, we actually had to rent a car so I could get around. I yeah. imagine maybe that experience, then you picked up on some things to kind of look out for and ask. And I like how in your course, you say stuff about like, don't just look at it on Airbnb, but also check it out on VRBO and sure. booking.com. And there's a whole bunch of others to compare pricing, but then also reviews and things like that. Like I said in the course, because let's say someone that's on VRBO had a terrible time. Maybe they had water drip on their head while they're sleeping, but they didn't rent it through Airbnb. So their comment isn't over there. So you would never know if you were just on Airbnb. So that's why I always recommend, you know, in the course, I show you how to uh, do a reverse image search, but always check multiple other sites so you can get different opinions from more people. So with Airbnb, do they have any kind of, I've stayed at maybe a handful over the course of a few years. So do they have any kind of like for every however many bookings or forever, how many nights, any kind of discount that they offer? <laughs> like a little car that they punch, little, you get four, get one free. Uh, sadly, no. Okay. And then you also have uh, a website called scamcalculator.com. Yeah. So that's something that I've seen horror stories on, on the, I've seen news reports, stuff like that, where people, let's say, would book an Airbnb 
And then they get to the flight to the place, they they get the Uber to the place, and you know, it's a parking lot. Or they get there, they knock on the door, they go, hi, we're here to check in Airbnb. And the guy goes, what? This isn't an Airbnb. And that's going to screw up your travel plans. So what I did was I took all the different criteria that an Airbnb listing would have, specifically. How many ratings does it have? How many ratings does the host have? How long does it take for the host to reply to your message. And I assign variables because, you know, we're web designers, we, we can do this. I assign variables and, and weights to each of those answers. And so then I created a calculator called the scamcalculator.com where you can go there. You don't have to register or anything and it's free. And you put all this information in and then it'll give it a score and it'll tell you whether it thinks that Airbnb is a scam or not. Now, thankfully, most Airbnbs are not. But I do recommend anyone staying at any Airbnb just run the information through this calculator, scamcalculator.com. It's super quick and it'll give you a score, just a little extra peace of mind. You know, there's no guarantees in life, but this will be just another opinion just to make sure that that Airbnb is valid. And then another thing you went over, which this is something that you'd actually have to see it and take the course to actually kind of really get a, a sense of how it works, but where, you know, because on Airbnb, they don't list the address until you book, but how you can find out what the address is by, I guess you call it like triangular. Image triangulation. Yeah. And of course, obviously you saw it. You can, I I show how to take a picture and how to find the exact location of that Airbnb using references in, in the picture and using Google maps. Cause on Google maps, you can draw lines. And so if you can get two points in the distance and sort of a couple points close in the foreground of the photograph, I show how to actually find the uh, unit from the Airbnb listing. And that's, like I said, in the course, that's really useful depending on the situation of where you're staying. So if that's something that you would want to know, like exactly where it is before you book, take a look at that video in the course. Yeah, definitely. And you have like several bonus videos that were really interesting. One was on like spy cameras, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, right. That's that's another thing. I mean, I've seen reports online of people doing things in the bedroom on their Airbnb. And then all of a sudden, like that recording is on the internet somewhere. And and that's mm-hmm. awful. And I, I would never want that to happen. So yeah, I give three tips to find a webcam in any Airbnb. That's really useful. And I actually, I I did it here where we are right now in uh, Croatia. And thankfully there's none. One thing I cover and I think is really important and I didn't get into much detail here is sort of the mental side of it. Because there are people Mm. that are just too afraid in life really to ask for what they want. And so I give some tips on battling the inner demons to get around that. I also, and this is one thing that I've done in the past, and and I talk about this in the course as well, is Let's say there's an Airbnb that you really, really want, but the host isn't going for your offer. One thing you could offer for them to do is to, if you have skills, is to help them out in their business, in their business being their Airbnb. So what I maybe you're a photographer, maybe you're a copywriter, maybe you're a painter. You can you know, paint the walls or something like you had seen in the course. I have a 360 camera, and so I, I make 360 tours for these Airbnbs that aren't kind of going for the deal that I want. And that has pushed a couple of them over and said, yeah. And so I've, I've made a couple of them, 360 tours for the Airbnb host. So that's helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I learned so much in the course. It's not a long course, which I think is helpful. Yeah. Maybe an hour, but it was 
you learn so much in that time frame. So yeah, I definitely recommend if anyone's thinking about, if they're even thinking about having this lifestyle of traveling around because you work from your laptop and things like that, to definitely check the course out. And I have a link at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Airbnb. I was just going to say another thing that comes with the course is I believe in, in the material so much that if you can't negotiate what you paid for the course, you get a full refund. So you can't lose. Yeah. And the course is affordable. It's only $97, I believe. That's correct. Yeah. $97. Currently, uh, yeah. I am thinking about increasing yeah. the price, but right now, yeah, that's what it is. So yeah, get it while it's still $97. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. While it's not a perfect way to live, um, at least for us, it's a much more exciting way to live. We get to see a lot of the places we never thought we would because I think we were like most people. We would take one or two week vacation a year. Maybe we would take a cruise. Maybe we would go to Costa Rica for a week. But you never get to really experience places. But doing this, the line between vacation and regular work days kind of blurs. And so if you're looking for maybe a bit more adventurous life, maybe you've been locked inside because of COVID for months or year and however long it's been, and you're looking for, for a different to mix it up and to have some fun and adventure in life, maybe traveling around the world, working from your laptop is something that you should do. You should look into. Live a more adventurous life if you have that opportunity any tips when it comes to flights? Is, is there a certain website that you like to go to compare flights or to get lower price flights? Or do you use miles maybe that you've accumulated? Yes. Well, yes, to both, to both questions. Well, number one, just if you just go to, I don't, a lot of people don't know this, but if you just go to Google and you do a search, like let's say from here, maybe we're going to Paris. We're not going to Paris, but let's say we were, I would say, go to, go to Google, I would say flight from Dubrovnik, Croatia, to Paris, France. And Google will actually show flights from those two places. And it'll also show you, I'm not sure of the label, maybe it's like price calendar or something like that. You can click on the calendar and it'll show you the dates that you were planning on traveling, but it'll also show you the dates around that. So maybe maybe you'd save 40% if you went the day before. So that's, mm -hmm. I recommend definitely using Google. It's, it's so simple to use. Another thing you do is you can track your flights prices. So if you're even thinking about going somewhere in the future, go to Google, do the flight thing and, and find a flight and track it. And what it'll do is when the price changes, it'll send you an email with that new flight information. When we were going from, I want to say it was Montenegro to Athens, I tracked the flight and the, originally it was 300 US dollars. But that flight went up and up, and, and I booked it right away at $300. But, I, but I, I tracked it too. But that flight went up and up and up and up and up. It went up to $1,700 for the same flight that I paid $300 for. So that's number one. Number two, and this is kind of going along what you say, travel credit cards. I know we didn't talk about that, but if I could give some advice on that, it would be the Chase Sapphire Reserve Card. Now, there's a yearly cost of $550 for this. However... I know it's going to scare some people. Number one, you get $300 yearly travel credit. So that takes the cost now down to $250 a year. Number two, you get three points on travel and dining. That's all awesome. But you actually get 50% more when you book through the Chase account. So you can actually go into your Chase account and you can book a flight through there and your points are worth 50% more. But here's something amazing about this card is that you also get priority pass membership. And what that is, for people that don't know, it's actually 
VIP, I think it's a little over 1,200 airport lounges that you have access to. And if anyone's never been to an airport, like a VIP airport lounge, you have to do it. It's amazing. You get free food. You get free drinks. There's some places you can take a nap. There's some places you can take a shower all at the airport. Because we would go to the airport and my oh. wife would buy a few drinks. I would, we would buy some food. We'd end up spending 50 or $60. Well, now we could just go to the airport lounge and we get all that stuff for free. And it's a lot nicer and a lot more comfortable than just the normal airport area. So Chase Sapphire Reserve, highly recommend it. It's totally worth it. I know the yearly cost sucks, but it's totally worth it. And there's no foreign transaction fees, which of course is useful when you're traveling around the world. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate it. And again, people can check out the course at the sarahstjohn.com forward slash Airbnb. I'll have show notes at the sarahstjohn.com forward slash Ian. And Ian's website is ianrobertanderson.com. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks you, Sarah. It was lovely talking to you. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.